I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On today's episode, I want to welcome Stefanos Safandos. With over 15 years of experience in the personal development space, Stefanos is a trained educator, behavioral scientist, and relationship expert with an extensive background in psychology, philosophy, and ecology. I love chatting to him. We got to talk about relationships, trauma, how to find your true self, how to deal with past trauma, how to overcome all of these different issues that can hold us back. And it's just such an important conversation and it's something that we all need to hear and I'm felt so lucky to be able to have this chat and be able to broadcast this conversation to you so I hope you can take something out of it and just another reminder that the Move Your Mind book is now available globally you can find all of the links at nickbrax.com slash book and if you want to join the Move Your Mind community it's a wellness hub with courses live events it's got topical information behind the scenes of the podcast a whole range of other information you get reminders to just check in on your mental health each day all you need to do is go to moveyourmind.me stephanos thanks so much for coming on my podcast move your mind it's great to meet you i I found out about yours in the gym and saw a social media clip come up and you're talking about relationships and i ended up sitting there and watching about 20 minutes of it and thought wow this is super useful so reached out to you a few months ago and finally get to do it so um yeah thanks for making the time yeah, it's awesome, man. It's great to be here. Appreciate it. So um, before we get into it, do you mind just giving a bit of a, a background on yourself and, and how you came to be where you are now, just so our listeners can sort of learn a bit about you? Yeah, for sure. You know, I often, often lead with, um, whenever I'm asked a similar question, I often, I often lead with the the reality of our, you know, our, our voids shape our values. And I learned that from Dr. John D. Martini many, many years ago. And so what we didn't experience, what I didn't experience as a kid growing up um, is, is a real priority for me now, you know, intimacy, connection, um, basic human needs, right? To be seen, to be heard, to be respected, to be appreciated and to reciprocate that, right? To be in, in this loving interchange with, with others, essentially, right? We were really understood. And where we can understand others, right? We can be in that in that trusting, open dialogue, uh, and and you know interaction as well. And so for me, as a as a young kid, I, I remember wanting to. You know, I grew up in a very hostile environment, very volatile, violent, um, abusive, emotionally and physically environment, uh, abusive environment, and and that came from my my parents, and and that was very confusing as a kid. Uh, because my, my source of love and safety at some level was also my source of terror. And so growing up through that, it, it left me very confused, but it also left me asking a lot of questions like, why is this happening? How is this happening? Who else is it happening to? Is this what life is about? You know, as I got older, I started really contemplating those deeper questions. And it's no surprise that one of my degrees is in philosophy. I just got very curious, you know, philosophically around. How can we do life better? When I was a kid, I wanted to be the UN Secretary General. 
because I could heal the world and help the world and save the world and all of that. And, you, you know, I look back at that now and there was a naivety there, but um, there was also really a well-intentioned little boy that really just wanted to get out of his own misery and his own pain, right? And so as an adult, I you know, we teach what we need to learn the most. And so I, I got into coaching, I got into um, psychology and behavioral science, understanding the mind, understanding social dynamics and human potential and and just really explore that. Didn't only study it and research it, but lived it, right? Um, you know, like like really, really lived it. And with all that, um, I just felt deeply connected and deeply empowered to a purpose and to, to a way of being in the world. But there was a big missing ingredient and the missing ingredient was I wasn't working on myself. I was mm. trying to heal myself or create wholeness within myself by creating that or helping others create that in themselves. And at some point, to be completely honest as well, it was an ego trip or an ego complex, not from a from a vanity perspective or from a malicious perspective, but it was, well, if I can, if I can heal them, you know, it was that type of mentality. It was, it was just immature. It was, I didn't know any better. Right. And I wasn't facing my stuff. I wasn't really dealing with the abuse. I wasn't dealing with the, the, the issues that I had there. Right. And it wasn't until I really dealt with them at, at, at a, at a, at a deeper level that I was able to then integrate all of the, the, beautiful teachings that I'd been exposed to, the beautiful teachers and wisdom that I'd been exposed to and integrate that because I was becoming integrated. And, and so now in my journey, I prioritize the integration of self and I really focus on me. And, and, and when I'm working with clients and when I'm working with, with larger groups virtually or in person and so forth, the important thing for me is to be a journey mate with these individuals and to learn and grow together and co-create and co-collaborate together, right? And so, but placing myself at the forefront, and what I mean by that is that my healing is my responsibility and helping others heal, helping others move through their own revelations and realizations is not me doing my own healing, right? Mm. And so, yes, it, there's definitely an aspect of that that allows us to uh, move towards wholeness and we have to be, from my experience and my perspective, really need to be responsible for our own coming into wholeness or, or remembering that we are whole. And so that's been my journey the last, you know, near decade now. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And so many things are coming to mind as you talk about all of that and so interesting. And I think it's it's such a fine line what you're saying of going mm -hmm. and, and doing that work to help other people. Uh, and but not getting caught up in sort of neglecting your your own needs. And I think on one of the things I was going to ask, I guess you, that you're touching on is uh, there's a, there's a difference between intellectually understanding something and actually doing what you need to do for yourself. And I know for myself, I found from going in therapy for so many years and talking about things and you know understanding on an intellectual level what was going on, but not actually doing what I needed to do for myself. And I'm still on that journey now and get caught in that process of talking about it, but not actually doing it. And there's a very big difference, I think. Would you sort of say that's that's an important thing to, to be aware of? 100%, man. And, and what that really is and what it was for me was a lack of embodiment. I wasn't embodying what I was. I wasn't practicing what I was preaching, right? I wasn't yeah. living what I was speaking to. I intellectually understood things. I understood concepts. I could connect dots, but I wasn't living it. I wasn't whole in it. 
And so I was disconnected, disconnected, I was fractured. And that embodiment piece is everything because we recognize that as human beings, we have something called, uh, it's it's a process of, of sensating the world, right? Or sensing ourselves through the world and determining what is safe and what isn't. And that's through the neuroception of the body and the nervous system. People could feel unconsciously, could feel that I wasn't really safe. I wasn't living in that truth. And because I knew that unconsciously, my, my being knew that, I had to compensate even harder. So the masks had to be thicker, right? The compensation, the compensatory strategies, the coping strategies, the, the hiding, right? The masquerading had to be more profound. The, the, mm. the, 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 the pretend had to be even more. And that's a, that's a difficult act to maintain. And that's why people get ill or they get sick or they get run down or they, they blow up in, in, in extremity, you know, and they, they blow up their lives because they can't maintain that. I couldn't maintain that. And I blew up my life as a result of that. Yep. And so did I. Yeah. I had complete outbreak. And, you know, if I look back on that, lucky to be sitting here, even having this conversation when you look at it. And I think um, for men, you know, this is something I see so yeah, it's so needed. We need we need more resource. We need more information about this because we we don't really know how to how to behave or how to reach out for help or how to make those changes. Show vulnerability and and as you were talking about in your story, you know, we get con- conditioned and made to to feel like we have to behave in a certain way, and then we don't know what to do. And you you know, you just you do. It's like pushing, continually pushing rubbish into a bin. It's going to just explode if if you don't do something about it. Yep. Yep, I completely agree, man. And that's and that was really my journey. It, re- it really was, and my mine was in the in the realm of relationships and sexuality, sex addiction, sex compulsion, love addiction, love compulsion, <sighs> prostitution, cheating, infidelity, lying, dishonesty in relationships. It's just, it was really I was attempting to fill a void and emptiness within myself again that I wasn't addressing. I wasn't addressing the core of of what was really happening for me in my world. Yeah, and and do you feel like there's a lot of uh, miseducation when it comes to things like sex addiction and other forms of addiction? Because I think a lot of these things, people uh, or love addiction, you know, people are doing without being actually aware that they're they're doing it, and it's it's so tricky because it's you know it's part of our life, it's part of what we're taught to, you know, it's a core need. It's where something where we're we're sort of we romanticize about, but then you can be caught up in that pattern without even knowing it, I think. Yeah, most definitely. I think the, the miseducation comes from not understanding it and it, it not being mainstream. And, and the way mm. that we deal with it as a society is, 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 is in such a way that it demonizes those that are uh, in infidelity or carry that compulsion or that addiction, if you like, right? Now, I'm not saying we don't take responsibility for our actions. We need to because not only does that empower us to shift and change and move towards wholeness or remembering wholeness and not living a, di- a disconnected life, but it also promotes healing and compassion because it's in that it's in those spaces of compassion where safety is bred and when safety is bred, healing occurs, right? So mm-hmm. when we empower ourselves to take responsibility for our actions, you know, many, many people that are in sex addiction or sex compulsion or love compulsion, love addiction, you know, the experiences that they've had have been quite intense and extreme as well. And I'm not, I'm not making excuses for people's behavior or my behavior. I'm definitely not doing that. It helps us though to bridge a gap to understand, like to really understand and also choose ourselves and our well-being, right? Because the more we're able to do that, 
the more we're not feeding into other compulsions. And again, I want to be really clear here. I'm not saying, well, I'm not making the statement that uh, someone that is the quote unquote victim of uh, being cheated on, it's that it's their responsibility to choose themselves and to figure out that that person was going to cheat on them or that they have a love compulsion or a love addiction and to, and to look at the signs and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 not at all. But we're all in this together, right? We're all in this together. And so how do we grow together? And understanding that people that have any addiction or any compulsion, or any aversion or any extreme behavior is usually a product of unresolved wounds or unresolved trauma, whether it be physical, emotional, sexual, or a combination of both, you know, acute and chronic or a combination of both, or even, even you know, little t trauma just over a long period of time compounded into one's self-worth. And so we're attempting mm. to seek validation, to seek worthiness outside of ourselves through compulsions, whether it's heroin, whether it's food, whether it's sex, whether it's codependence and people-pleasing and appeasing, whatever, whatever our strategies are, what we're essentially attempting to do is feel whole, but we're trying to feel whole outside of ourselves. And that becomes a very slippery slope because we can't control what is outside of us. We can barely control what is within us, right? Even that is up for debate, <laughs> that we have this, this, this depth of free will that exists. Probably another conversation for another time, but we definitely can't control what others think and what others feel. And so that's why we contort, right? That's why we try and shape ourselves because we're trying to figure out what if we do this, will that make them love us? Will that make them care for us? And if we can't get that, we need to put pleasure back into our bodies. And that's where many addictions come from is we can't be with the pain that we have. We don't know how to be with it. It doesn't feel safe to be with it. We've often been judged for it in the past. And so we need to put pleasure back into our bodies. Again, is it a needle? Is it cocaine? Is it some other drug? Is it, is it marijuana three times a day? Is it alcohol? Is it workaholism? Is it food? Is it t binge watching TV? Is it spending? Is it overspending consumerism? Is it sex? What is it? And so mm -hmm. we need the pleasure and often we need the peak experiences. Sometimes it's adrenaline. You're an adrenaline junkie. You're an extreme sports enthusiast. I would argue that the vast majority of extreme sports enthusiasts and adrenaline seeking not adrenaline junkies, but that's what they're called, but adre adrenaline seeking individuals that have an attachment or an addiction to that, I would say they have tremendous unresolved uh, abuse issues or, or wounding or trauma that they're compensating for by, you know, inputting pleasure in their body. And the, the bigger the pain, the bigger the pleasure yeah. and, and the continual process of that. And so for me, that was me. That was me avoiding my pain. And because it was still there, it was simmering up, it was below the surface, I needed to do something with it. And instead of dealing with it, actually being with it, because I didn't know how, and I wasn't willing to at those times, I needed to put pleasure in my body to distract myself from it. And so that's what most of us do. Mm -hmm. And that's a, it's a very misunderstood thing. And I completely understand why, because being a, and, and I want to be very careful with the word victim. Right, because when we say victim, then we have to assume there's a villain and there's going to be a savior or a hero as well, right? And then we, we we end up being in this complex, this triangle, this this drama that places us in a, in particular positions. But for sake of the conversation, let's speak to that. But even those that are perpetual victims or those that have perpetual similar experiences where they're constantly getting hurt or taken advantage of, that again is unresolved trauma. Right, and that person that is attempting to dominate in power and control somewhere in their lives didn't have control, and so they need to exert that control now. 
over others. And those that are being controlled potentially are very familiar with that. And we attract what's familiar because familiarity feels safe because it's comfortable. It's known. And the unknown can be very scary for us. So we we end up in these dynamics and we just keep repeating patterns because we, we don't actually consciously, cognitively know. We're not uh, you know, cognizant of the fact that we're attracting and we're co-creating experiences in our lives to actually choose differently than we once chose that brought us to fracture. So now we can choose differently to be in wholeness, but we're not aware of that. So we just keep repeating the same. You know, you you notice people will say, oh, this is the, the fifth boyfriend in 10 years or the fifth girlfriend in, in 12 years that I've had. And it's the same thing. And I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And you're not doing anything wrong. You're just operating from a set of patterns that are very familiar to you and you're unaware of those patterns and you're unaware of how to shift them and you're unaware of what's possible. So we're just going to keep repeating because that's familiar to us. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And you see it literally everywhere you look. It's happening and it's happening to so many of us, more people than than are aware of it. And I, do, you, do you think it's, it, it's pretty much impossible to have a, a healthy relationship until you do address these things? It's a really good question. It's such a simple question, man. And it's a really powerful question. I would say the chances of having a quote unquote healthy relationship without addressing one's issues and the other's issues and then your issues together in the relationship is very unlikely, Mm. very unlikely. You may for a period of time when you're in the limerence phase of relating in the honeymoon period, you may for a period of time because you're polarized in the way you present yourself and what you're actually seeing because your hormones are just everywhere. There's a particular hormonal signature in the honeymoon period that takes place that detracts us from the the, the stuff that we do, that is unpleasant and undesirable, right? So, you know, for however long that honeymoon period lasts for, you may be in that quote-unquote healthy relationship or appear to be healthy. But if stuff comes up and we don't address it and it's it's a repetitive pattern for us, then we're not really in healthy spaces, are we? So, you know, how do we how do we move through that? What do we do? We've got to address our stuff, essentially, is what we need to do. That's that's the path that we need to take. And that can be a really challenging path. It very much was for me because the the ego deaths that are involved in, in that and Quite frankly, the, the 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 suicide contemplation for many, for me included, um, can be very very deep, and the, the unworthiness and the shame that comes to the surface that has been repressed and suppressed for so long, that's intense, and and that's why we avoid it. It's very convenient to avoid our pain. It's incredibly yeah. It's one of the most confronting things we can we can do, and to have to sit with that, it's just it's 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 tough. That's why most people don't don't do it because it just it does yeah, it's it, it's such a hard thing to confront and and i guess on the other mm. end of that question would you say once you are acknowledging and sitting with that pain and working on it um you can still be in a relationship if both like if both people were working on those things but it's still very much in the process of dealing with it as long as you've got that openness and sort of communication it's not about you don't necessarily have to be at that point where you've necessarily healed everything as long as you are both having that openness to work on it together would you say that's that's sort of another another side of it where you can have that relationship with you know communication as you grow 100 percent. if both people are willing or however many people are in your intimate relationship if you're all willing to really move through your stuff and be patient with each other and compassionate with each other and maybe seek 
uh, outside counsel that can be a more objective voice and perspective for you because, you know, we're relational beings and we, we need each other in that way. But it definitely part of your journey needs to be um, with each other, of course. Um, if there's a willingness and an openness there, then yes. And there is a caveat to that. And the caveat is that if the wounding is too deep and it's too intense and that's a subjective measure and it, it may it may pull away from the relationship because sometimes the healing mm. that we do, we need to be on our own. We can't be an intimate, we can't be juggling and balancing an intimate relationship and holding an, inter- an, an intimate romantic sexual relationship in one hand whilst we're working with very deep trauma in the other hand. Sometimes we can, it depends. But more often than not, we cannot. And so we have to, from my perspective and from what I've seen in the world and been in this, you know, in the personal development space for 20 plus years um, and working with my own trauma um, and finally practicing what I preach, you know, when I say finally, the last, you know, eight eight to 10 years, um, really there is, there is certain trauma and there is certain, there are certain wounds that we have to address on our own. We need the space to do so, and we just won't be able to show up in that relationship. And we have to be astute enough and mature enough and gracious enough towards self and towards our partners to to own that and be very honest in that as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's um and and I guess there would just be, yeah, you've got to have that understanding and willingness to to try and and make that that change at the beginning. Uh, how many people do you think are sort of unaware of these things? I mean, I would say the vast majority of relationships mm-hmm. and the vast majority of people, you know, we live in echo chambers, right? Yep. Like it's easy for me to speak to my community or the communities that I, I move in because at some level like attracts like. But when we look at the world as a whole, we look at mass media and we look at what we're exposed to at a, at a more generalized mass media collective level right we and i just want to be very mindful of the terminology that i use but many people are not awake to themselves Mm -hmm. and they're not aware of their life experiences that have shaped who they are as adults and are contributing to the disconnection or disparity or pain that they're feeling and i'm not necessarily I'm, I'm really specifically referring to psycho-emotional psychosocial relational pain right like i'm talking about patterns of behavior how we give and receive love self-worth how we pursue intimacy one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. How we show up in in conflict. I'm not talking about uh, more existential crises or, or, or such as famine or poverty or homelessness. I'm, I'm speaking very specifically to our emotional upbringing and the 
behaviors, beliefs, attitudes, patterns, ways of being formed during our developmental years based on our relationships with our primary caregivers or lack thereof Mm -hmm. and everything that's associated with that physiologically and psychologically. And I would say the vast majority of people are not aware of that because we're not really taught in the mainstream that that's a thing. 100%. Yeah, exactly. We're not, we're not taught about that and we're not a, yeah, we're not aware of it. And it, 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 that's, that's where you're getting shaped your whole, you know, your whole upbringing. You sort of, it's like programming a computer. It's sort of all of these things are happening that you're unaware of and on these patterns. And then by the time you're an adult, you're, that you're so conditioned that you just don't, you're not even aware of it. And then, uh, so to become aware of it's one thing, then to try and actually recondition that and, and change it. It, that's such a difficult thing and you know that's what I've experienced you know you, you become aware of it and you, you you see these patterns happening and you're actually aware of them but you still can't often change them even in that moment so it's like such a difficult thing to change um, but we need to be aware of it we need to have that education which like you're saying we're sort of it's not talked about it's not something that's common knowledge or an, a, a normal conversation I guess mm. yeah I, I agree and and you're you're right when you say about, you know, we, we can only take action once we have awareness or at least deliberate action. And there are layers mm. and levels of awareness as well. But sometimes we become aware of something, we make a connection, we think, oh, wow, I, the fact that my father was away a lot, wow, actually I figured out now. I realize that that's why I have issues committing. I have this fear of abandonment fear of being left and so I struggle to be in relationship and I make excuses as to why I can't be and then that level of awareness maybe then opens up something deeper it opens up another door of awareness and so it's this beautiful dance of awareness uh, taking some level of action whatever that looks like and sometimes it's just being with the awareness it's sitting with it it's not necessarily needing to do anything with it that's a very masculine way of uh, approaching that and that's okay but sometimes we just need to be with we need to feel we need to integrate. We need to create spaciousness. We need to be in deeper communion with that awareness before we can take this direct action that changes our behavior, right? But that that awareness may open up other awarenesses. And so there are layers to that. And yes, you're right. At some point, we need to and would want to take action to make change. But that's very difficult. It's very difficult. And it's not impossible. It's so hard. Yeah. Uh, definitely not impossible. Yeah. But it's just very difficult. And that that's why there are so many blocks. That's why... I'm a massive advocate of being supported in transition, being supported in transformation. Whether you have a coach or a therapist or a shaman or spiritual healer, an energy healer, a combination of all these different people, a, a, a men's group or a women's group or a group of friends that you can lean into, or family, whatever it may be, right? Sometimes family of origin can be difficult because there can be traumatic history there, not always, but often. Um, but having people that support you and see you in non-judgmental, compassionate ways really accelerates the healing and supports you in feeling safe enough to explore the things that are unknown and unfamiliar that actually will give you freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like anything, isn't it? It's like, you know, if you're trying to go to the gym for the first time, it's going to be pretty tough to stick to, to doing it if you're just going on your own. You know, if you're trying to motivate yourself, we need, we need support. Everyone needs support in all of these different areas. Uh, so yeah, no, I think it's, it's, I love all the points you're talking about. And um, for, for men, how 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 important do you think this conversation is? Do you think it's something that you know men 
it, it needs to be talked about more. Like we're we're suppressed and we're not sort of we don't have that um, on a on a broad level. There's not enough sort of resource out there for people to to access this kind of this kind of information. Yeah, statistically speaking, when we look at the resources available specifically for men, they're quite low in comparison, right? The the, the reason why this conversation is important for men is because there is a stigma and there is a, particularly in Australia, there is a stigma and there is a, a belief that men either can't or shouldn't access certain um emotional parts of themselves and so therefore their range becomes limited and when we grow up with that belief um, we become stunted because it's not like we're missing limbic system (laughs) you know we we also feel we also emote uh, and we need to be taught how to do that appropriately and how to move that energy through our body so it doesn't become stuck and therefore we don't compensate for that pain that we're feeling or that discomfort that we're feeling and we don't do erratic behavior and uh, unconscious behavior that's often extreme and very intense and hurtful towards others and towards self. And when we look at suicide and we look at depression and we look at um, statistics around that, particularly with males, it's very, very sad. You know, I, 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 um, Mm. I read something uh, a few days ago that was very, very striking for me. The second greatest cause of death uh, for black boys in America aged 10 to 14 is suicide. Well, 10 to 14 years old, the second greatest cause of death is suicide. Yeah, Man, I mean, I just that tears me up just thinking about that. You know, I mean, there's, there's obviously the layer of, of, of race and. Mm-hmm. Injustice around that and, and systemic suppression. I mean, there's so many layers to that, but just take that statistic of dep- of, of 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 suicide, ten to fourteen years of age. It's the second leading cause of death for boys in that age group. That's heavy, man. That's and that's just one statistic. And I'm not, I'm not one to cherry pick statistics. I just I just remember that because I literally read it a few days ago, and it was in context of some other information that I was looking through. Um. But that, that's yeah. really sad. And, and again, there are many other statistics out there for men, women, for all people that are really sad as well. And this is why the import, this is why the conversation of mental wellness and emotional wellness and relational wellness is so fucking important because yeah. we're, we're slowly dying or slowly killing each other or killing ourselves. You know, when you look at, oh man, not to get on a tangent, but when you, when you, when you look at so much of the, uh, collective oppression that so many different people experience, right? When we look at people that are mentally unstable, that are unwell, that are committing horrific crimes, when you really trace that back, you're looking at collective reasons and individual reasons, like in the household, but also in society, in their immediate neighborhoods, in, in where they grew up, whether it's, it's, it's poverty, whether it's scarcity, whether it's violence, whether it's, you know, challenges, mental health challenges in the home, whether it's absent parents, drug addictions, drug abuse, alcoholism, there are sources and causes for people committing horrific crimes. And putting people in jail and throwing them away and locking them away is not healing or helping society. I get I get the, the prison industrial complex. I get 
I get the mechanisms behind it. I get the intention to some degree, but a lot of it's bullshit. And and that's clearly, clearly, it's not helping. I mean, crime isn't necessarily going going down. Mental wellness is on a uh, mental unwellness is on the rise. Yeah. Like, you, you know, so we have to take a different approach to this. And part of it is having these conversations. Part of it, to be really honest, is those that are able, that are privileged enough to do so, that have resources, that have capacity, it is about self-healing. It, it really is. When we look at the, the the basic principles and fundamentals of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? We're looking at if you're if you're base survival needs aren't met, you won't be able to go into higher realms of thinking and critical reflection and 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 healing and spirituality and deeper contemplation and service and so forth. Like you need to eat, you need to have shelter, you need to feel safe in your home. Like you just have to have those things. And at some level that makes a lot of sense, right? And so for those of us that have those base levels, it is our from my perspective, it's our responsibility and our duty to 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 work on ourselves so that we can be beacons of lights for others so that we can support others in their journey and continue to support our own selves and there's a domino effect that comes with that right and recognizing that those of us that are in those positions that we have that privilege and that is a privilege that is a that is a gift right and maybe it's a gift we've bestowed on ourselves maybe it's a gift that has been bestowed upon us for various reasons but i, I think it's important to to really take ownership of that so many great points in that and yeah totally agree because like you said when you're in survival mode how how can you have the you know you don't have the bandwidth to to then go and look at these things you you, you know you're thinking well like i need to put food on the table i need to make money i need to do this how on earth can i freaking think about all these other things so if you are in that position yeah it, it is it is a responsibility and and that's how you start breaking that pattern and then you you pass that on and that that starts the conversation mm. on a broad level and it sort of it needs to start in in, in that way yeah i think that's it, it's such a good point uh, about where we where we begin with that so yeah i think so many things that you've touched on there are yeah just so important and and i guess as, as well it's you know like you were saying we we I think we're so quick to label people for their behaviors because we don't have, again, it's, it's, it's all part of the, the same thing. If people start making that change, we'll have a bigger understanding on a broader level. And we label people because if we see someone committing a crime or doing this or doing that, instantly they're just labeled as a criminal or a bad person or whatever it is when it's like, okay, yeah, the crime's not good. That should be punished. But why can't we have empathy or look at, you know, what are the things that happened to this person? Why did they lead to that, get to that place? And, you know, we don't we we're not educated enough on that, and 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 that you know, the more empathy we can have, the more we can really start to relate and, and make those changes. So it's just all you know, such a yeah, a societal shift that needs to continue over time. Yeah, you touched on something important. I think empathy and empathy and compassion, and when we're able to cultivate that within ourselves, because we're on a healing journey, we're on a a growth journey, an expansive journey. We're able to be more of that for others. We're more likely to be that for others as well. And so when other people, I know for me personally, when I experience others being compassionate and empathetic towards me and understanding and really feeling me and not judging me in those moments, very healing for me, very healing. Mm. My, my shame becomes diffused. It takes a minute sometimes, but I'm able to bring that shame into the light, whatever it is that I'm working through in that moment. And I'm able to move it on. It doesn't have to be stuck in my body and in my mind. And I don't have to operate from that place. And so 
yeah, that empathy is is that compassion is so important. And and one of the key ways that we cultivate that is by by you know journeying into the the, the inner self, journeying into the depths of who we are, the depths of our soul, and expressing from unknown, mysterious places within. And there's something purely beautiful around around that. And yeah. it's confronting, but it's also liberating. It is, it is. And that was that was one of the the first things I learned when I went to when I got into acting and went to acting school, it was sort of the the teaching, which I think it's one of the best, you know, life sort of development things you can do. You sort of mm. to be able to play another character, you've got to first understand yourself and get over your own ego and be able to look at all of your own patterns. And you've got to have that intimate understanding of yourself if you want to be able to play a different character, because then you've got to be able to look at them with without judgment and think, okay, why what's caused this pathway? How did they get how did they come to these conclusions? What what are all these things that can happen and, and actually understand them with empathy, uh, without judgment, which it's you know, you can't really do that unless you've done the work on yourself. Yeah, agreed. It's it's it is crucial at every level, and it's deeply rewarding as well. Like, and I just think, you know, what's that old adage? Like nothing, um, nothing easy is is worth having. Something along those lines, right? I'm, I'm in not complete agreement with that, but I mean, I understand the effort behind it. When we exert effort, and we really quote unquote work for something, the value of that thing that we're moving towards or attempting to embody it becomes a higher grade of value and the appreciation that we cultivate in that process and the, the, the deeper sense of self and the way that we relate to ourselves are all of the things that happen along that journey of, of accomplishment or reaching the goal or whatever it may be. We've, we discover a lot about ourselves and, and we negate that if we don't do the hard work for lack of a better term. Yeah, I think that's an incredibly important point. And, you know, it's a, this is another conversation, but, you know, we, with, social media and with mainstream media with how the world's structured now everyone wants instant gratification everyone's looking for that quick fix how do i get rich quick how do i become famous how do i do this when even if those things were handed to you on a silver platter that's not actually what you want because it's not about the actual end goal like you're saying it's like i i work out every morning and for me if that was easy then i wouldn't get any value i like the feeling of getting up doing something difficult how it makes me feel, then I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to start the day. That's that's the 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 thing you get out of it. It's the hard work. So it would people are trying to get things that they don't actually need or really want. Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com slash book and we've just released the move your mind community we've currently got a men's community group a women's community group a general group we're going to be loading up other groups and you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me this group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running move your mind and we have live events we've got courses we've got huge amounts of value the ability to share information share ideas work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings, to learn about different topics. You get email reminders. There's a whole lot of features in there. We're constantly updating it, and we're so excited to share it with you. You can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me.
So anyway, um, we finish every episode with um, five closing questions. These can be sort of quick fire answers that come to mind. Um, the first sure. one is, yeah. Um, so yeah, whatever comes to mind. Um, so the first one here is, uh, what do you like most about your childhood? Oh, um, walking around my neighborhood with my grandparents. Um, and my grandfather had, uh, my Italian grandparents and my maternal grandparents, I'm half Greek, half Italian. Uh, they, they had a beautiful vegetable and fruit garden and, and I would pick garden peas and put them in a little bowl and then walk around the block with my grandmother, like eating the peas and she'd be telling me stories. And that was a really beautiful memory. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that one. Uh, what, what do you think is the biggest burden on mental health in society today? Uh, the unspoken pain. And the stigma that's attached to it is like there's something wrong with you if you have mental health issues. You know, mm. You're damaged. You're broken. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what What's your personal definition of happiness? Mm. Yeah, you know, I created a model for this, and I could I could talk about the model, but I'm actually not going to talk about the model. <laughs> um, for for me, it's there's a there's a sweet spot, right? There's a sweet spot between comfort and discomfort. And if we stay in discomfort for too long, uh, it pulls us away from pleasure or hedonism or happiness. And if we stay in comfort too long, we feel a little restless. Mm-hmm. We feel a little uh, edgy, like we need some challenge to grow because one of the, the prerogatives, I, I believe, at being human is – this unconscious, unspoken thing is that we're here to grow. And you can't really grow without being uncomfortable at some level. But there's a sweet spot there between discomfort and comfort where we, we're almost suspended, right? And in that suspension, uh, there's a, a sigh of relief. As a, there's, a, there's a deeper knowing that takes place. And we, we'll get micro moments of it and sometimes macro moments. And in that space, there's deep, deep gratitude as well. The physiological signature that follows that too, this and the spiritual signature that follows that. But it's in that space where we just feel that happiness. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean, and yeah, it's it, it's a great <laughs> feeling when you when you're in that. Uh, mm. What what are you most afraid of? Oh, many things. Um, the two the two things that 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 come to mind. I've just had a baby girl, so she's she's about nine nine weeks and and, and two days old. And congratulations. First thing is is just yeah fucking that up like fucking <laughs> not being a good father, not being a healthy father. Um, there's that, uh, not doing enough, not being enough for her, and for my wife and for us and all of that. Uh, but the thing that that really that really gets me is is not living in my potential. And looking mm-hmm. back at my life and thinking, yeah, I, I didn't I just didn't quite go there. You know that that that's that's scary to have that thought for me. And there are so many. I'm a type of person that has so many passion, different passions, and so many experiences that I want to be in. And it's reconciling that and what I make that mean if it happens or if it doesn't happen. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, it, you know, if you've 
the only one thing that I find scary is being looking back on life and regretting, you know, thinking, I, I, what if I, mm. what if I tried this? What if I did that? Who cares if you fail at it? But mm. it's like just that regret mm. that would just, that mm. that's terrifying. Uh, so <laughs> fi- fi- final one, um, what are you most proud of? Yeah, the person that I've become, the embodiment that, that I hold, you know, the, 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 the very deep, deep work, the very personal transformative work that I have gone through and continue to go through to be who I am and to show up in the world in, in, in greater authenticity and, and realness um, and just committed to that path, like really committed to that path. And to be clear, I'm not committed to – I'm not a personal growth junkie. There are times where – not interested in that. I just want to watch the UFC or watch a good movie or whatever. You know, and it's not just fleeting moments. It's, it's, you know, it's it's not about oh we always have to grind and we always have to go deep into our stuff and we should always be feeling pain and excavating the pain. Definitely not. Definitely not. That's not the way I I, I operate. Uh, however, I'm just extremely proud of how far I've come um, and what I've been willing to go through and traverse to get to where I am today and where I continue to go to continue to grow essentially i love that well yeah stefanos thank you so much for coming on the podcast i could talk to you Thanks, for hours about this and i really appreciate it and uh just finally for our listeners uh i'll put this all in the show notes but where, where can we send them to learn more about you for sure for sure yeah you can um learn more about me at my uh, on my website stefanosafandos.com where you can uh look at my program service offerings coaching uh my new book that's being released in september uh, you can find me on social media at Stephanos Safandos. Um, yeah, anywhere there. Amazing. Appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thanks to Stephanos Safandos for joining me today for Move Your Mind. And just another reminder that the Move Your Mind book is now available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com slash book. And the Move Your Mind community can be joined by simply going to moveyourmind.me. Thanks again for supporting us. We really appreciate it. And I'd love to hear suggestions about future episodes. Please leave us any comments. Share the podcast with whoever you think would benefit from it. Thanks again for supporting us and looking forward to speaking to you all soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.